0: All right, let's jump right into today's episode. In today's episode, I'm going to give you some tips on choosing a paralegal certificate program. Now, if you're already a paralegal and you're listening to the podcast, you might say, well, what good is this going to do me? Well, it might be good that you could share this with someone. And also it's because I've been getting the question a lot recently. And the question is, how do I know which paralegal certificate program to choose? Lately, those questions have been coming from legal secretaries and legal assistants who want to transition into a paralegal position at their firm, and they've been listening to the podcast or following the blog. I know it's tempting to choose an online paralegal program that gives you a certificate in four to six weeks. I get it. We're all in a hurry. We want to get started on this new career. Before doing that, you should research whether law firms in your area actually hire graduates from those programs. Regardless of how affordable and convenient some of them appear to be, if you can't get a job upon graduation, you might as well have thrown that $1,500 out the window. But then I also had a telephone conversation with a paralegal graduate a few years ago that I'll never forget. She was a 60 year old woman who was over $40,000 in debt from her student loan, getting an online bachelor's degree in paralegal studies. And after two years of not being able to find a job, she was told by Career Services that she should get her master's degree. That might help. So she enrolled and was part of the way through it at the time that we spoke. She had racked up another $15,000 in student loan debt and wondering why she couldn't get a job as a paralegal. I felt bad, and I didn't have the extra time at that time, but I offered to take a look at her resume. There were several issues with it, but none that were so bad that I wouldn't have at least done a phone interview with her back when I was a paralegal manager. So I get back on the phone with her and say, let's talk about your interviews. And somehow during the call, it wasn't like an interview question I was asking her, but we talked a little bit about personal stuff. And she said she was currently working part-time somewhere like at a craft store. Because it was the only place that would hire someone with a felony. I was like, wait, what? I was so sad for her. Now, this was something that happened when she was much younger, like in her 30s. And she'd served her time. This now 62-year-old woman, almost $60,000 in debt. And her employment opportunities in the paralegal field are so limited that they're almost non-existent. Even though she served her time and that conviction was so long ago, unless she happens to apply to a solo practitioner who doesn't do a background check, and look, we all make mistakes, but some of those mistakes prevent us from moving forward in the direction that we want. No one at that school ever told her that she was going to have a very difficult time getting a job in the legal industry with a felony conviction, especially the one that she had. So please keep that in mind when I say the cost of a paralegal program is not the sole factor that you should take into account. You can't necessarily say, well, this one costs $40,000, so it must be better than the $1,500 one. Back in 1990, when I was looking for a paralegal certificate program to attend, the options were limited. There were no advertisements on Facebook or on TV with promises to start your exciting career in just four to six weeks. So you went to your local college, enrolled, and showed up in person to class. Today, those advertisements are all over Facebook, internet, Instagram. Times have changed. People want things faster. So then enter the short-term paralegal programs. What is a short-term paralegal program? Why am I calling it that? Well, It's a paralegal certificate program that typically does not provide sufficient course hours in substantive areas of law and is hurting the paralegal profession. Many of these companies will white label their certificates to appear as if the certificate is from the local college. Do a Google search for position statement regarding short-term paralegal programs two of them that will come up will be NIFPA and the AAFPE. The AAFPE is the American Association for Paralegal Education. And NIFPA, NFPA, is the National Federated Paralegal Association or National Federation of Paralegal Associations. So NIFPA has a statement on it, and I'll read. It literally says, quote, that these programs have the potential of harming the reputation of paralegals who have attended traditional paralegal programs. And the AAFP, what they said, they also take issue with it. And they said, quote, the reputation of the colleges and universities that offer these short-term programs or that offer campus space to these programs may become tarnished, as do their legitimate programs. In that position statement, the AAFP agreed with NIFPA's position on how these short-term programs impact the paralegal profession. Let me read one more quote that they said. These short-term programs harm those who employ paralegals because employers who hire graduates of short-term programs may assume that prospective employees from other programs are similarly ill-prepared to cope with the demands of the paralegal profession. In other words, these programs are taking advantage of unsuspecting prospective students who later graduate from their programs, and they're not aware that there are education standards in our profession. The graduates will struggle to get their foot in the door and think that it's based on their lack of experience or that their resume needs tweaking. When in reality, they're not getting hired as a paralegal because the local law firm managers know who the reputable programs are and they know which ones are not. So here are some questions to ask before putting your credit card down or signing on that dotted line for a student loan application. And now I will tell you, this isn't about the ongoing argument of whether or not the program should be ABA approved. That could be a whole other podcast episode. I'm not going there because there are pros and cons to both sides of that argument. Look, if you have the option of attending an ABA approved program that's the same cost as a non-ABA program, then yeah, I'd recommend choosing the one because law firms, some of them still think that it's a requirement, but most law firms don't care. And in some geographic locations, you don't have the option to choose ABA approved or not. But it's not just location, it's also convenience, because the ABA approval process has some archaic rules, really, about the percentage of the program's classes that can be presented online. In this day and age, that needs to change, because we're all online now, and I'm sure that they're looking at that, but I digress. See, that's why we can't even go into the ABA question, because there's so much more to it than just yes or no. There are so many really good paralegal certificate programs out there that are not ABA approved because they choose not to be, not because they wouldn't otherwise qualify for the approval. All right. So some questions to ask the potential paralegal certificate program. One, do they offer a drop-down list of which college you want printed on your paralegal certificate? If they offer a flat fee price and list a whole bunch of different colleges and say, Which one do you want to have on your certificate? That's a white label certificate. In other words, it's probably one of those out-of-the-box programs that are sold to local colleges so that they don't have to create their own program because it is time intensive to create a paralegal certificate program. You've probably landed on some of those sites. If you've done a search for paralegal certificate programs near me, I'll bet their ads come up. The page you land on gives you a list of three or four colleges that have paralegal programs near you, and it just so happens that every one of them costs $1,595. I'm just using that number as an example, but you'll see they're all the same, no matter which program you choose. All right, number two, are they offering a paralegal certificate program for less than $3,000? Now, that's not an exact number. I'm not saying, oh my gosh, if it's $2,995, it's no good it might be tempting to go with a paralegal certificate program that costs far less than the others in your area. But consider this, if all of the local reputable programs have costs that range somewhere between $3,900 and $5,900 or $5,000 to $10,000, you know, look and see, what do all of the local reputable ones that are at colleges, that are in-person ones, What do they range? Maybe in your geographical location, they range from 2,500 to 5,000. Then you would say anything outside that norm, there's probably something off about it, right? The only way those paralegal programs are able to give you a paralegal certificate for half the cost of the typical paralegal program is because they're not providing you with enough substantive law credit hours. So think about it. The average cost per credit hour at a four-year public university is around, I think it's around 350 now, 350 for per credit hour. So ask yourself, how many credit hours would I be getting if it was a $1,595 program, right? All right, next, ask yourself, would you be able to sit for a national certification exam after receiving that paralegal certificate? For example, if you want to sit for NALA's Certified Paralegal Exam, your paralegal program would need to be one of the following, and I'm going to list these. Now, but keep in mind, even if it's NIFPA, the NFPA, their requirements are very similar to NALA's. And the, is it the AAP or the APA? You know, They're all going to have some type of requirement. So their first one is That you have to have graduated from a program that is, one, approved by the American Bar Association, or two, an associate degree program, or three, a post-baccalaureate certificate program in paralegal studies. And that means that the paralegal program requires a bachelor's degree as a prerequisite to get into it. In other words, you've got a bachelor's degree in whatever area from an approved, you know, school. So you already got a bachelor's degree in business. Then you go to one of these programs, and as a requirement to get in, you have to have a bachelor's degree. Uh, Number four, a bachelor's degree program in paralegal studies or Number five, a paralegal program which consists of a minimum of 60 semester hours or equivalent quarter hours, of which at least 15 semester hours are substantive legal courses. All right, the next question you'd ask is, do local paralegal managers and legal administrators hire students from that program? So Google or do some research on martindale.com. That's M-A-R-T-I-N-D-A-L-E.com. Find a few large law firms in your area. The reason I'm saying large is because the larger ones typically will have a paralegal manager. If not, if it's a smaller one, then maybe ask for the, the head of HR or the office manager and just say, I'm considering attending a paralegal certificate program in the area. Is there one that you would be more inclined to hire graduates from? Most managers will be happy to answer that question for you. Now, don't then keep them on the telephone forever, you know, or maybe it's an email to them. All right, number five, can the school or the program that you're looking into attending answer the following questions to your satisfaction? Is this program taught by the school's own professors or is the certificate program just using the school space? How long has the paralegal certificate program been around? Does the program require at least 18 semester hours of substantive legal or 15, sorry. Does the program require at least 15 semester hours of substantive paralegal courses How many people have graduated from the program in the last five years? Not attended. How many people have graduated? Can you refer any of the school's graduates who can give me a firsthand account about their experience in the program? And then finally, well, no, there's probably a couple other questions you could ask. Upon graduation, will I be able to meet the minimum education requirements to sit for the national certification exam of either? NIFA or NALA? Also, what is the program's placement rate after graduation? Specifically, how many graduates are working as paralegals or in some other similar capacity in the legal industry? In other words, don't include your employment rates for the person who went out and is now, you know, back working at a restaurant because they couldn't get a job as a paralegal. And this was their second career and they were making more money working at the restaurant. And don't include in that somebody who took a receptionist job at a dental office because they spent years trying to land a paralegal position and they couldn't. If the school's answers to those questions are not satisfactory, then consider looking at other programs for your paralegal certificate. Do some more due diligence and use social media groups like LinkedIn groups for paralegals and Facebook groups for paralegals. Ask other paralegals what they know about the paralegal program you're considering before enrolling in it. Another question that I hear a lot when it comes to a paralegal certificate is Do I even need one? Well, I can tell you that I know several successful paralegals who don't have paralegal certificates. They worked their way up, starting at the receptionist and eventually into a paralegal position. They're smart, quick learners, and They were working in an environment that was open to that. I also know a lot of law firms that have different kinds of hiring models. Maybe they hire recent college graduates as clerks who are essentially doing lower level paralegal work for a couple of years and getting skills-based training, like what I do in the paralegal bootcamp. Some managers I talk to say that the paralegal certificate program doesn't teach someone how to be a paralegal, that they can teach it those are few and far between. All that being said, I would never encourage someone to not get a paralegal certificate because I think that will limit your employment opportunities significantly. It's hard enough to get your foot in the door with no experience. If you're trying to do it with no experience and no paralegal certificate, you've just doubled your obstacles. Why do that? Well, I hope this episode helped you. And if you're new to the profession, don't forget to visit our blog. We've got some great free resources for paralegals there for new and experienced paralegals. It's at paralegal-bootcamp.com forward slash paralegal-blog. All right, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, hit the subscribe button in whatever platform you're listening. And please take a quick minute and leave a review of the podcast and share this episode with just one colleague or friend who you think would benefit from what we discussed today. Share the knowledge and the entire paralegal profession elevates. See you next week. Bye for now.